Hello and welcome to the ABM Done Right podcast. I'm Eric Gruber, your host today and CEO of PersonalABM.com. Yesterday, I had a conversation with an AI sales and marketing technology company that focuses on positioning, messaging, market research, and branding. And I spoke to the president who also acts as the CMO. And he mentioned to me how they are just, they are already doing account-based cold prospecting by email. They're already doing LinkedIn ads. And mentioned he wants to learn more about ABM, but on the marketing side, not so much about sales. We can skip that. We could skip out stuff about email and social. He was mostly focused on paid media, which means he didn't really understand ABM. Because to me, ABM is about layering your social, your email, your digital and live conversations in a way that moves accounts forward. It's about improving your interaction. It is improving the account experience. Because no matter how you sell, what your sales and marketing process is, the thing that really matters is how the accounts feel when they engage with sales, marketing, and customer success teams. That's why today I've invited Claudia Hefner, the VP of Revenue Marketing, onto our ABM Done Right podcast to discuss going beyond ABM to account-based everything to impact account-based revenue because that's where it is. It's not about the pipeline. It's about your revenue with the tier one accounts that matter the most. Claudia, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. No problem. And as I just mentioned, you're the VP of Revenue Marketing, which is why I've invited you on because it really is, ABM should be impacting stage progression, sales cycle times, win rates, deal sizes. It should change sales and marketing motions to drive profitability and revenue growth. And I find that too many times ABM is becoming more of that targeted demand gen, where it's still they're doing one to few, one to many. They're missing the customer experiences. They're doing marketing as usual, just more targeted. And it's not leading to stage progression. Accounts may come in, but then accounts are going dark, especially when sales becomes involved. So can you talk to a little bit about why you are moving from ABM to account-based everything to drive account-based revenue growth. Of course, happy to. So uh, at Next Thing, we refer to our program as account-based experience. Actually, it's account-based everything, as you mentioned. The goal of not calling it account-based marketing is this is not a marketing program, right? It should not be exclusive to marketing. It has to go beyond the marketing channel, the marketing tactics. And we measure the impact of the IBX program by some leading indicators and lagging indicators. 
Leading indicators will be everything from engagement of an account that does matter, right? Activating those accounts, re-engaging them, um, turning, converting, having a converting event, but then also to your point, nurturing, accelerating, and then ideally close, right? Um, so we look at all these leading indicators, engagement, pipeline, and obviously uh, closed business. Um, the reason why we move to an account approach is simple. We uh, you know, fo focus on the uh, enterprise segment and we also sell into the mid-market, but enterprise is a sweet spot for us. Uh, larger accounts require a custom approach to uh, how we target them from the beginning of our engagement till the, till the very end. Um, so that was the main driver of an account-based program. Um, we are looking at about, I'm sure we'll get into this, but we're looking at about 25 accounts per rep. Uh, we could argue those are too many. Of course, we're not working on all accounts at all times. We are phasing the engagement and focus, depending on when buyers are in market. Uh, what does that mean? So if a rep has 25 accounts, not all 25 accounts will have, have activity, intent, and interest at a given point, a given quarter. And it is also not only a quarter's play, it is an entire year or two of engaging these accounts uh, until we can convert them. And it certainly takes multiple channels, multiple touches, and multiple stakeholders within the organization to move those accounts along. So that's just a quick overview of the motivation and how we, you know, how we structure it here at Next Day. I like how you said from the beginning, that experience from the beginning to the end which really requires sales and marketing integration. It requires sales and marketing orchestration. It requires teams to go beyond aligned. When I usually hear about what our teams are aligned, it's usually how sales and marketing are agreeing on target accounts, marketing then goes with their messaging, and it becomes more of that demand gen. How am I going to get those accounts into the pipeline? I throw it over to sales. Sales has to try to close the accounts. But does sales really have the content to drive internal conversations where sales is not part of? Do Are they relevant on social, on email conversations? Do they have the content to reframe prospects' thoughts or ideas? In most cases, it's not because marketing is still marketing source pipeline versus how am I going to fix these business challenges along that customer journey? So how are you integrating, going beyond alignment and actually integrating marketing and sales to create a custom experience across that buyer's journey how are we creating, how are you integrating sales, marketing, and customer success teams to create a customer experience after the sale to drive expansion and retention? Yeah, I, I wouldn't by all means say that we have a perfect program. It's always an evolution. Um, I can understand why you're highlighting these specific uh, best practices. It is not about just the story marketing is telling, but it's just the experience that the account has throughout the organization. Again, never pretending to say we have a perfect process here, but the way we set it up is the collaboration starts from the beginning. So what does that mean? We spend time working uh, on the logic of the program thinking about what is the right 
uh, target initially, the target segments or the target criteria for uh, the universe we wanted to target. But then we worked sort of, you know, handpicked those accounts with sales jointly. So why that's so important is there's a lot of context that is missed uh, if you programmatically assign those accounts to a salesperson. They have to be bought in, they have to agree that those are the accounts that they're going to go after. Uh, it is important for them to make sure they're revisiting the stage and the relationship that account has had in the territory, whether it was with the specific sales rep or, 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 or a prior you know, salesperson before they took over the account. So all the context, the history, the, the times we've engaged with that account matter here for our selection, right? The stage of the organization, um, are they currently Again, are they currently in market or are they maybe not even engaged with NextThink at all? Um, have they potentially already purchased a competitor? So all of that information, all that context matters. Starting with the right accounts is key. I think anyone doing ABX knows that, but it's you know just a, a, a comment here to be really careful about a top-down approach to selecting accounts. Yes, we needed initially to, to sort of frame who we will be targeting, uh, but then it's really important that there's a lot of hands on and also sort of to an extent manual work with the sales team to find are these the right accounts. Next step is, do we have the right people or do we have accounts that do not have contacts, the right contacts? These things seem basic, but there are most engaged people in those accounts that matter. And I you know, remember distinctly hearing someone from our team say, oh, look, you can give me 50 responses from this account. I will not care unless it is these three people, right? Unless these three people are actually engaging, the 50 others that respond will not matter because they're not the right people. So for us, the integration starts with having the right um, target accounts, but also the right like people, actual people in the account. And the next step is obviously messaging. So understanding what our pain point, you know, how are we hitting those pain points at the beginning of the funnel, the perfect handoff, obviously, ideally with the BDR team and also orchestration with the BDR team on the outreach. So something that I'll say, I think you mentioned before is, is it marketing source? No, it does not matter if it's sourced by marketing or not. What matters is that we're jointly going after these accounts. So if we are enabling the, and part of the program design is, the BDR teams will have messaging and cadences and their outreach systems to go after those accounts in a personalized way. So uh, we are targeting them through digital. Of course, we're trying to drive some intent data. And if we notice any sort of engagement at the account level, the BDRs have the ability to then build their own buying committee based on the accounts we've picked um, in the context we've picked. Uh, within those, those accounts and actually build our own cadences to target. Okay, that's where the integration happens. We're not waiting for an MQL or a download. It's basically if there's engagement, we will go after those specific um, contacts that we've you know initially selected as most engaged um, prospects. And then of course, there's the ability to integrate with our channel partners. So our channel team is part of this program. They know we have target accounts. They can do account mapping and see, do these partners have access to the right buyer within those accounts? So they're working that channel angle as well. The sales team are obviously deeply involved in as a quarterback um, of, of the account, looking at where are they seeing engagements? Where you know where are they sending private, uh, uh, sorry, personal invites to events that are more custom and tailored to those accounts? 
Um, so it's it's not just one stream of activities happening. It is a, an orchestration of activities happening at the same time and over the course of time. Um, and then, of course, uh, we are tracking the engagement across all those touch points. And when are we seeing someone finally engage a little bit? So I have examples, and then we do we do a look back on on how how long it takes and how many touch points it takes, and which top touch points actually trigger the interest. And you will see we use uh, to, we use we're success users, so uh, we're a customer success. We can see the the history of uh, when we started targeting the account from a you know programmatic standpoint. Once the cadences of the BDR triggered, how many touch points it took before someone uh, agreed to attend one of our events. How then other other uh, contacts within that account came to the site and started to do uh, their own research. This, the, the content they were reading, the, the sites they hit, the conversion point and where that came from, and then how long it takes to then get to a meeting. I mean, that's the first sort of initial journey. Of course, it goes beyond that once we have a meeting, uh, and once we've had a pre-qualified opportunity. But the orchestration is happening at every stage of the buying journey across multiple teams because it, it will take many, many impressions for someone to actually raise their hand and say, okay, I'm hearing the story. I recognize this brand. I know who you are. You keep providing value with the content that you're generating. You know, the sales rep has managed to build a relationship with us. And so that continues to happen throughout the funnel. Once there's an opportunity, um, obviously initially it's in the hands of the salesperson to understand if there's urgency, budget, and um, sort of net clear next steps. If we, for some reason, it could be anything. It could be that we're not at the right, you know, where we thought we were at, at but the right, um, we're talking to the right stakeholder, maybe we're not. That part of discovery happens. That feedback gets shared with field marketing <clears throat> and field marketing will create, um, you know, they have these war rooms where they, <laughs> little, little funny name, but uh, where they create plans specifically based on the scenario they're hitting. So it could be, we don't have the right person. This person is interested, but they're not the buyer. Or currently there is no urgency or budget assigned to this project because there is not, you know, they don't have a transformation initiative happening. Or the person we were talking to left the organization. So again, custom scenarios very unique to that account we build a plan around that. And it actually, that's where um, you know, the integration with the sales leadership team matters because that's where uh, you know, someone like uh, our, our VP of North America, Mary Beth, will have these in-quarter reviews and it looks at everything that is qualified and we go one by one for the quarter to understand where do we stand and is this is account moving at the right pace? And if not, she creates essentially a winning team, a winning team that will include professional services, that will include um, multiple folks from the organization to try to find ways to get the account to either make the right intro or you know, share a reference or have an analyst call, whatever we need to then trigger them to the next step. So that is custom build for that account. It would include us looking at LinkedIn and looking at how are we and our executives connected to this particular account? And is there someone who can reach through their network? So that's where they, there's, there's less of a programmatic approach and it's more of a toolkit of creativity of what things can we do to get that account 
from pre-qualified, which for us means there is enough interest to, it is a qualified opportunity and we can actually run a you know, proof of concept. And that to me is where ABM plays. Because the programmatic to me is more of that targeted management. It's now that custom. How am I going to get that account that may not have that transformation project in place, but they have a strategic priority going on where they should have that transformation, where we should show them the role that you can play in their strategic initiative. To me, it's really how about how am I going to align with that target organization? How am I going to align with their strategic priorities? Not persona pain points, not uh, departmental needs, but actual strategic priorities where you can fit yourself in there, where you can show the gaps that they are not considering and the impacts across the organization. That you can only do with that custom content, with custom messaging to really be aligned, where you, where that prospect sees that you're speaking to them and only them. That to me is where the heart of the ABM plays. It is really after that pre-qualifying stage, how am I going to get these accounts that are stuck? How am I going to move them forward? Especially in an account that has something going on in that organization. Or there is a market, they are showing intent. They are sixth sense identified, but they're not moving forward. Whereas now aligning to, okay, why is their intent in the first place instead of just programmatic pushing out content based on intent? It's really now, how am I going to align with what's going on in that company? Why is their intent? Because most times the people showing a tent are lower levels. And I've done that with studies through Leaf Sift with Sixth Sense and other intent data platforms, Bomb Borer. They'll show, they'll show that most of that intent is from the lower levels. But you need to uncover why there is intent to really go higher, to reach the people you need. So this way you can align with them and move things forward. But that's where it is. That's where the heart of that aid is. Not to get the counts in. It's how am I going to get them forward? How am I going to get that big good deal? Yeah, I think I, I get. I, I see your point. I, th I think every stage matters, right? And the orchestration that happens at the beginning is the initial piece that defines the program because you need the right accounts. Um, to orchestrate and expedite the conversion point initially. So I, I would argue that at every stage in the funnel, top, middle, and bottom, the orchestration around ABX matters. Yep. Um, no, it, definitely. I'm definitely not saying that the beginning doesn't matter, but that's where the part is, the personal, the custom. That to me is what ABM is, is that custom. Yeah, yeah, it is. It 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 definitely is. You know, part of the success here is the buy-in that we have, and the uh, you know coordination that happens with the sales leadership team, who is very much bought in from the CRO to you know the regional managers uh, around these target accounts, and and that ha happened at the beginning of the year. Outside of it just being a marketing program, again, it was we have these named accounts slash ABX accounts. 
And that's where our focus will be across the go-to-market organization. Yep. So um, once we build these plans, of course, every single you know program, or if you, I don't know if you can call it a program, but every, every plan for each account is different. And it really depends, again, on the unique situation that the accounts are in. Um, and of course, that involves more than just marketing. Again, it involves potentially less at that moment, the marketing team as it does other parts of the organization. Uh, when we run a proof of concept, it really then is completely custom to that account. So we have a very high conversion rate from POV to uh, close. Um, over, if I'm correct, over 75% of those accounts converts once we convert once we get them to uh, a POV. And then the uh, there are times where accounts, again, go quiet again for different reasons, changes and priorities, last minute shift in budget. Uh, and then again, we leverage uh, the coordination with marketing to create experiences that allow the rep to build a relationship, to have that faith, not a relationship, access, one-on-one -on -one time in person. <laughs> we have the ability to do that again in person. Uh, with those accounts and that's just typical tactics as you know tickets to a game and getting the buyer to just again be in the same room with the sales team and a couple of other customers um, to then help expedite again the next steps um, but throughout all of these stages in that selection to close there's a lot of coordination between and back and forth between sales marketing channel video Yes. And those account plans, those custom account plans is what's missing in most ABM programs, because most times ABM is the one to few, one to many. They don't have those custom plans and not integrating the one to one. I think ITSMA came out last year with a study that showed that 66 percent it was either 66 or 69 percent. But either way, it's a huge percent of ABM programs are underperforming. The one third that are performing, they're doing that balance of one-to-one, one, one to few, one to many. They have their account plans that is custom. So it is not just a cookie cutter approach. They have what you mentioned a couple of times, enablement, which means I'm now providing sales and marketing teams with account intelligence where I know what's going on in that company, where we're looking for the reason for outreach beyond the part of our ICP. Well, what is going on in that company, in that department? What, are the, what matters to the key stakeholders, those key decision makers? What are they saying on social? What are they writing about? What is leadership talking about? So it's really having that, connecting the dots between company, team, personal, department, relevance, where we could have that better conversation with those accounts. So yes, yeah, enabling. How are we going to enable sales to have the right conversations? How are we going to enable an internal selling conversation? Because they see themselves inside the stories and the content that's being told. In the Challenger book, and to me, ABM and Challenger sales go hand in hand because Challenger talks about tailoring for relevance. 
They talk about teaching for differentiation. Teaching for differentiation, not only against the competitors, but against status quo accounts. So it's to, then they say that buyers do not move forward, not because they don't believe your story, it's because they don't see themselves inside the story that's being told. It's not their story. And that to me is where it plays. So that's where I need that enablement to make sure that they see their story with each interaction that marketing, sales, and even customer success teams are having. And that's what I say is missing a lot is that enablement piece. Now, as you mentioned, it goes back to orchestrating from the beginning. It needs that beginning. You need the orchestration in the middle. You need the orchestration at the end to make sure that you're getting that bigger deal size and that you're gaining that traction across departments. So if we talk about that orchestration in the beginning, it goes to your account segmentation and prioritization. In many cases, we find that sales gives marketing their wish list and says, go do ABM. It becomes demand gen as all accounts are treated the same. So how have you segmented and prioritized accounts? What are the lessons that you've learned during account segmentation and prioritization? I share this a little, a little bit of this at the beginning. Um, we used a top-down and bottoms-up approach. What that means simply is we created, uh, we looked at where pockets of success are uh, within the organization. What does that mean is where is 80% of the revenue coming from? What, what does that 20% of our customer base look like? And done the research around what are the common sort of characteristics that we see across those accounts uh, is, is obviously thought about the potential of verticals. Um, what for us is really key based on our solution is that the number of employees that we service within the organization matters. Um, so I uh, started segmenting based on that. I, I would, what I would say here is that's there, you know, this segmentation process is very unique to every organization, but, I, but, but I would start by looking at, again, where is that 80% of the revenue coming from and where are the most successful custom, the most, the happiest customers, um, where are those pockets of uh, happy customers uh, that obviously have a high contract value as well. So that combination shows you where within your customer base, you have the most successful and best served customers and where your product market fit is. And so once you have that, we, we think through, okay, what are the lookalikes? What is that, you know, what are those folks within the universe that we can target, uh, our target, our target universe, um, or in, and reduce it to a target market? Where can we essentially find customers that look, prospects that look like our most successful and happiest customers? So we've done that initially, which gives you parameters. After that, we've actually done the work of, you know, running queries and building lists. And then from there is where the collaboration with sales was key. One lesson learned is simply going after characteristics is not enough. You need context, you need account history, you need more than a stage in Salesforce. It has to be the context, the story behind the account and the relationship the rep has. So uh, that is key. 
this team has to be completely bought in into the accounts we're going after. We will be spending more dollars, time and effort targeting those accounts. So we have to get that right. So that's been the approach. And obviously we, we work to stabilize those, those accounts as much as possible. Um, what does that mean is we're not ideally swapping them every quarter, but keeping them consistent based on the development of those accounts with exceptions, of course. And the last layer of this then becomes intent. Intent matters to us because, again, it tells us when someone is in market and someone is looking for a solution. And if you think about the original number of share, 25 accounts per rep, um, it will it will look different for each rep in terms of the engagement they will have within that portfolio of accounts. Yep. No, I definitely like that you started with your customers. In fact, that's when most people come to us for our ABM services at Personal ABM. I usually guide them to start ABM with existing customers to expand and protect. This way we can see the characteristics. This way we can capture the stories with those 20% accounts that deliver you 80% of your revenue growth. So we can use them in for customer acquisition. If we improve those interactions and experiences with your existing accounts and learn to see, all right, these are our best fit. This is part of what makes that 80% of the revenue growth. We could now begin to create processes for, to improve the customer acquisition. So I definitely love, love that as well. And figuring out those characteristics. I also like what you mentioned, the context, because yes, intent is an important part, but in-market accounts represents only a small part of the market. You have 60% of the market that's stuck in status quo. Now, which of that 60% of that market has a strategic priority that you can play a role in? that you can have an impact on. And if we can now tie that messaging and the outreach and content to them and actually build the business vision, you become a party of one. Instead of looking at competitors and in market, you're the one creating that vision. That's where sometimes you can get your bigger deal sizes. So that's where I say that context is very important. Intent is important because there you're gonna be your quicker wins. But the context to me is even more important. What is actually happening in that organization? Because that will create the bigger wins because you are aligning with them and where they are looking to go. Now, the last part of this discussion on the account-based experience and account-based everything, and we've talked a little bit about this already, goes toward creating custom experiences across the buyer's journey and customer lifecycle. I find that most companies are doing one-to-one -one ABM. But this, I mean, find that when companies do one-to-one -one ABM, they are simply taking a one-to-few and one-to-many approaches and applying them on a one-to-one -one basis. They are not personal. So it's like a personalization. And to me, personal and custom is different than personalized. <laughs> 
where personal, I'm speaking to that specific account from the be- each interaction, from the beginning to the end of that interaction and across the each experience that we have with them. It means I am responding to the struggling moments that lie in the center of each deal. The moments that need to be listened to, understood, catered to, solved, reframed. And that I can't do on a one to few and one to many because it's personal to that company. What is going on? Where is their thoughts? So how do you define a custom personal experience and when you do that one-to-one versus what most people think of one-to-one, which is just applying a one-to-few because it's templated and I add a little bit of elements about the company or some industry relevance to make it that one-to-one. So what is really, how do you define custom personal experiences? I think it starts with the setup of who is that winning team that you set up and the scale that in which they have to operate. So what does that mean? It, um, if you have, you know, more than a thousand accounts as <laughs> part of your ABX program or ABM program and a couple of marketers, a couple of BDRs, a couple of channel folks, salespeople included, it will be difficult to create custom. Uh, and I shouldn't say custom, I should say personalized outreach and experiences. So when I mentioned before, 25 accounts per, per rep, not all of them are in market at the same time. So focusing on those that are is part of the key success here. Focusing on those accounts that once they have reached a stage within our buying journey, uh, in this case, being qualified and revisiting their state, that becomes a handful. And that's when you have the ability to really dive into those accounts with the team and be able to create a personalized experience based on that. Um, I understand why marketers um, or go-to-market teams will struggle to create personalized experience for a lot of accounts. It's just not very, not very you know, it's not feasible. Um, so part of it is setting your expectations around how many can we really work on at the same time and how, how does that map to the targets that we're trying to, to uh, attain. The idea of having a winning team for each account is, is time consuming, right? So it's important to know how many accounts can we have at a given time that we're working through. And that's why also making sure that you have the right targets at the beginning matters too, because otherwise you're spending a lot of resources and time and budget on the wrong accounts. So the custom experience that we build are only feasible because the way that we're setting up our field marketing team in region allows us to map them to a certain amount of, of accounts essentially. And, and same, the same applies for the sales team, right? So they're, they're the quarterback of those, of that um, very finite number of accounts that we're going after. Um, and I think the feedback, as I mentioned, once you break out the stages of the program and understand the level of, of personalization time spent based on your initial segmentation that allows us to be smart about, okay, initially we'll probably have, you know, different tiers and we'll spend different amounts of budget per account and time as we get closer to the engagement. 
um, you know, more time will be spent on those accounts. So it's, it's, it's a fine balance of finding some scale, some programmatic approach, but also truly keeping this personalized. And I think the key, key here is the winning team and that set of folks that are responsible for these accounts, what is their, what is their capacity, right? Because it's, it's limited and that's important to understand. Yep. And it is that prioritization, which I can, I find that many teams lack because it's, oh, they're part of our ICP. Well, that doesn't mean that they're most likely to buy. What is actually going on? And it's, to me, it's those personal customer experiences that where your profiles on LinkedIn speak to them, where your each interaction speaks to them, where you have content for specific sound conversations that you need to have with the specific buyers in specific companies, where you have specific events that are custom for those accounts and specific experiences. But it's those interactions and those experiences that you can learn the most from because it's no longer about a campaign of how can I get 2% more conversions. It's those individual interactions that you can learn from to change sales and marketing motions. So then you can scale for one of you and one of many and have better success based on what you've learned from the one-to-one. In the beginning, I talked about a conversation with the president that acted as a CMO for a um, sales and marketing technology company that focuses on AI for positioning, branding, et cetera. During that conversation I had with him yesterday, he also asked me, can you do effectively do ABM without the hyper-personalization? And my answer was no. Because to me, ABM changes sales and marketing motions. And if you don't get hyper-personal, with a select few of accounts. And you are not 100% customer focused with those select few accounts that are part of the 20% that can deliver 80% of your revenue growth, then you're not going to change sales and marketing motions. You're not going to change experiences. You're not going to change the interactions, which is what to me ABM is about. So you can't do ABM effectively without having that hyper-personalization. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I fully agree. If you're not personalizing this outreach, then it's just a campaign uh, with a lot, you know, not a lot of homework done prior to running it. And it could be, then you're losing segments and not cohorts of accounts. I, I just simply cannot imagine. I mean, it has to be personalized. It has to be a, a specific uh, message and an experience to that account. Again, it doesn't need to be at the beginning of the engagement necessarily, but as you as you start seeing those engagements happen, it has to become more personalized. Um, in one instance, we we picked one marketer for twelve accounts. <laughs> That's it. So twelve top accounts. You know, build a plan for that. Of course, that's not, to your point, scalable. 
it was a pilot for us to, to make a point, which is if we have the right accounts and the alignment with sales team, if the message is as compelling and as urgent as we can make it, and if we have the right people, not just anyone in that account, but the right people, the right persona that we know will buy, uh, selected and we're targeting them, it will be a higher conversion, even with very, very large accounts. And that was the whole exercise. And we were able to secure eight out of 12 conversations wow. within you know, a summer. That was a quarter. Now, all of those conversations are in different stages now. But over 60% of our pipeline is, is coming now from those accounts that we care about. And the, the accounts, I mean, the, the ABX program as a whole, not just the 12 accounts I just mentioned, but our account-based experience program. When we look at the percentage of the pipeline, it is coming, 60% or more is coming from those accounts. So it is at, at the top of the funnel, the middle of the funnel, we're moving we're moving, you know, we're, we're mobilizing the right engagement within that audience. Yes. And as you said, the more, the further you go along, the more personal you have to be, which is why, and Christina was part of a B2B MX next level, ABM strategies event that demand gen report uh, did. And there were people, there were companies like Blue Yonder and they were talked about hundreds of millions of dollars in the pipeline. But then they were talking about 50% of that, of that pipeline went to revenue. And it was, even though it was a high number, it's that 50% that only translated to revenue. That's where we need to get personal is you see that big discrepancy between pipeline numbers and what's moving. What is driving those different stage regressions? What's actually closing? There is that discrepancy and it's because they're not putting the time and resources of going beyond personalization and actually becoming more personal and more custom to ensure that those accounts move forward and then moving forward faster and at a higher deal size. So yeah, we got to do that prioritization. We need to put that custom, especially as it moves forward because that is the issue. It's not usually the pipeline is the issue. It's like getting those accounts to revenue. Right. All right, I want to thank you as we reach the end of this podcast to come on and spend some time with us and really talk about the account-based experiences and how you're going beyond just ABM. How are you working and integrating, not just aligning, but integrating with sales teams, field teams, channel teams, to provide a custom personal experience to target accounts that are your high priority. Uh, is there any last thoughts that you want to share with the audience? And then also how can um, our listeners get in touch with you if they want to learn more about the experiences that you're providing at NextThink? Of course. Um, the last few thoughts here are the alignment with the sales organization is key. Staying away from designing a marketing program, but truly a go-to-market program is key. And remembering that it is an evolution. So try to pilot phase one, phase two, phase three, 
so that internally you gain some um, space for learning together, right? We created phase one, we learned this, phase two of this, now we're on to phase three, and then and that becomes an evolution. Um, acquisition is about optimization ultimately, right? And so you're constantly trying to think through what have we learned. Um, and of course, as you go into different segments and markets, things change again. But those will be my parting thoughts. <laughs> Alignment, um, a true partnership where you're not looking at who's sourcing, but how are we sourcing together? This is not a marketing plan, it's a go-to-market plan. And uh, and, and, and allowing for you know, failing and learning here in that space to iterate, it's key. Yep, and I definitely like that evolution. As you mentioned in the beginning, you're creating a strong program that is definitely getting results. But as you said, it's not perfect. You're continuing to evolve. It's why I'm looking forward to further offline, off the podcast conversations to see how we can further support each other. Because yes, it is, as you just said, you you did phase one, you're doing phase two, but now you're looking for that phase three. How can we optimize it further? How can we further improve those interactions? It is definitely about evolution. For those that want to learn more, and can I, I do suggest you to connect with Claudia Hefner, H-O-E-F-F-N-E-R on LinkedIn. It's how my partner, Christina Jaramillo, connected with Claudia right on LinkedIn to have her on this podcast and check out the website nextthink.com to see what they are doing. And of course, go to ABM. I mean, go to personalabm.com, go to our ABM resources and you can see our interviews with other top marketing leaders at companies, including Gong, uh, Clary, Unifor, and many others. Again, Claudia, thank you very much. Thank you so much.